Hi, my name is Stephanie Horvath-Marks, and thank you very much for listening to Every Teacher Counts, where we talk about pedagogy, wellness, and just thoughts in general. I have 18 years of experience in public education, and I look forward to sharing what I've been grateful enough to learn. If you have any questions, please feel free to comment or email me at don'tcallmesteph1 at gmail.com. So one thing that I wanted to talk about this week was simple ways during a lesson to have students try to justify their answers. Because a lot of times when I'm meeting with teachers, they have a plan and they have embedded assessments along the way to make sure that their students are learning what they need to learn or able to specify where they need a little bit more instruction. But sometimes, just in the heat of the moment or in the middle of a lesson, kids are going to come up with questions or one of the activities that you've designed just really doesn't work. And so you have to be able quickly to assess where the understanding is lacking and why the kids are having trouble. Or for that matter, if you're in a conversation with an adult learner, where the sort of disconnect was. And the simplest way to really make a lesson student-centered and check their understanding is to become an expert at questioning. And that takes time, that takes practice, and that takes time looking at Bloom's and Costa's levels of questioning to make sure that you're not just hitting surface level information. And so early in my career, when I would start working with teachers, I would then say to them, okay, so, Let's say you ask them a surface level question. How can you automatically increase the rigor? Let's say you're studying in social studies the Civil War and you ask what were the causes for the North to fight the South? If you then ask the kids three, two questions in one statement, how, why, prove it. By simply saying to them how or why, or prove it, you're then asking for them to go to a deeper level of questioning because they have to explain. They have to provide evidence or reasoning for where their answer or even their belief comes from. That can push them back to the text. That gives you, the teacher, as an opportunity to point them to specific portions of a text, whether it be a reading or a chart, or a table, or a graph, or even a video. It has them go back and recheck their thinking. Those are also questions that if a student says, I don't understand, you can ask them, why don't you understand? Odds are they might never have been asked that question. They might never have been asked to try to identify the specific portion that they're missing. Another way to tackle that particular question is to say to them, well, what can you do? What do you understand? If it's a multi-step problem or a literary analysis or an experiment or even just a reading, what do you understand? Again, the first couple of times that you ask students or even adults this question, they might very easily look at you and try to shut down. 
because this takes a certain level of metacognition and it takes a certain level of awareness on the part of the learner to start thinking strategically about, okay, what do I understand? What can I accomplish? I took that particular technique from Fred Jones, who is an expert on classroom management and dealing with students. And he talks a lot about where sometimes you'll get trapped with a particular student who doesn't want you more than an arm's length. Well, show me, show me, show me. There's one point in this book where he says, ask them, show me what you can do. And sometimes it's as simple as them saying, I can write my name on the paper. Okay. We will celebrate that success, write your name on your paper, I'll be back. And that gives you the opportunity to then continue checking for understanding around the room with other students, but you have to make sure you then do follow up and go back to the student, and if that name is on their paper, okay, what can you do next? And that's for you if you have to start breaking down instructions, having them focus on one question, clearly that child either is avoiding or really just your directions were unclear. And that's that's another thing that can come up when students are having issues with understanding or completing tasks. Sometimes the confusion comes from the directions or the expectations placed by the instructor. And so really going back and looking at the wording of your directions, looking at the wording of how things are put in place for the students, what you might often find is you have to make adjustments to the way you present the material. You might need to change some of the words in the directions. You might need to take the activity and break it down into even smaller chunks. You might have to teach the students to identify what verbs you're using in the, the question or the prompt to sort of then indicate what action they're doing. So if it's a, you know, if it's a, a lab experiment and it's a pre-lab where they have to do some analysis, having them identify the verbs, well, you then have the opportunity to talk about, okay, if it says collect, if it says um, pour, if it says draw, you can then talk about, well, if it's pour, what kind of substances are we going to be using? Okay, we're going to be using liquids and what kind of, and that opens up conversations to how you measure liquids or how you might compute it. If it's draw, you know, if it's draw a table versus draw conclusions, that's a very different use of the word draw. And so asking students how, why, and prove it asks, gives the teacher, pardon me, the opportunity to address some very specific misconceptions. If it's about directions and they're like, this doesn't make sense, okay, prove it. Go through the directions with them and teach them how to strategically pull it apart. And you, as the instructor, might find out you're actually missing some key information. Or you might need to explain a simple vocabulary word and then they'll they'll have the ability to answer. How will I improve it is also an opportunity if you are coming to the end of a lesson and there is just no way the students are going to finish the formative assessment. For whatever reason, the lesson took longer, you might be interrupted, it might be a short day, whatever. You can then ask them, what did you learn? How, why, or prove it? And then that forces them to go back to the activities and the concepts addressed in the lesson And it gives them an opportunity to create those connections within their own brain, put it on paper, and then they can hand it to you. And if you look at that data and find out that most students were missing whatever the second concept was that you taught, let's let's say you're teaching elements, mixtures, and compounds. 
And they understand elements and compounds, but for whatever reason, nobody wrote down that they learned about mixtures. That becomes an opportunity to start the very next class with a question, a problem, an exploration of what they were missing. So those three, there's, I call them questions, but really it's two questions and a statement. Open up a world of opportunity for teachers and students. And what you might find is if teachers are using it enough, once they pose the question and the student comes back with a follow-up and you simply say, what am I going to ask you next? The students will automatically, how I prove it. And then it becomes a tool for them to start using in their own small group interactions, in their own meta-analysis of what they've done right, in conversations with, whether it's a home expert group, if they're having conversations with their classmates about a particular concept, and then it increases the rigor that they're applying on their own. And really, that's one of the most important jobs as teachers is to equip our students to become critical thinkers, to look at problems, to analyze their answers, to identify what they know and what they don't know so that they can then find it out. The idea of rote memorization is really leaving a lot of education because frankly, students can look up why the causes of the Civil War happened. If they have a smartphone, they have a computer at their hand. They have the opportunity to access information in a way that it's unprecedented in human history, where we as teachers can really help equip them to become literate 21st and 22nd century citizens is to give them those literacy skills that will force them to think, to question if the source that they're using is reliable or valid, to determine what's the best piece of information to fit to help them analyze and tackle complex semantic and syntactic questions that they're going to be facing. One thing that I read recently in an article about the difference between reading a paper text and reading digital text is that it actually impacts the brain because the process of reading is a cognitive neurological process. And one of the examples that the article talked about was if students don't have the ability to analyze complex tasks, they're going to struggle later in life with real world concepts, such as analyzing wills and testaments and complex legal documents that could have a very real impact on their physical, financial, and mental health. Um, When it comes to voting, the complex language often used on ballots with referendums will include vocabulary and references and very, very sophisticated semantics and syntax that if students aren't taught how to analyze verbs and look at nouns and look at what the, the relationships between them are, we're on the brink of possibly having children and students who become adults that can quickly access information, but then they might not have any idea what to do with it, or they might not have any idea about whether the information is actually accurate, because frankly, anybody can write on Wikipedia. So this also becomes an opportunity to teach those 21st century skills, to teach the students to apply the upper level of Blooms and Costas to their own experiences, to when they're watching the news, to when they're reading an article, to... Heck, quotations and tweets from famous politicians and actors. You know, it opens up a world of real life and real world applications once you start embedding these into your lessons. So I encourage you, if you are trying to think quickly on your feet, if you have the opportunity to have a conversation with a student or with a colleague about a concept, about a lesson, ask them the next time a question comes up or even yourself. You know, if a teacher gives you an answer, why? How? 
prove it. Show me where in the text the information is. Show me how to interpret the data analysis. Show me where my reasoning was flawed. And then it becomes, instead of a power struggle or a shutting down, it becomes an opportunity to reteach, to shore up information, to find out which students in your class really are experts on certain concepts, and then they can go work with other students. And it opens up an opportunity to make the most of what could become moments that would lead to autist behavior or conversations that aren't always related to the learning, but that are really important. So if you come across a news article that tangentially relates to what you're teaching and you give it to the kids, why did I pick this? Why is this being presented to you? It then becomes a conversation about the deeper enduring learning in your own content. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact me at don'tcallmesteph1 at gmail.com. That's D-O-N-T-C-A-L-L-M-E-S-T-E-P-H-1 at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.